Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Well, everybody, we have a podcast. It's called Light the Fight. My, what's uh, David? My name's David. We got Heidi. I'm Heidi. (laughs) That's old age, Heidi. You realize I'm, I I think I might got a little bit of the D, the big dementia coming in my life because I don't know if it's just all my concussions or having COVID and viral meningitis, man. I've been having a hard time remembering names and places. Fortunately for me, I got GPS and a cyborg in my hand called a you know smartphone. Where I don't have to remember anything, but I is going to be 47 next month, and that means <laughs> I'm one step closer to being wiser and forgetting things that I don't need to remember. Right? It is hard. It is. It is. It is a real thing, and um, I think though that it's also that we like have just more things in our brain. We have more things happening so much quicker like the the things we got to keep in our brain you know it's it's a lot so maybe it's not just that we're you know getting old or that we're getting dementia it's just that you know we gotta keep getting better at what we're doing we gotta keep working harder there's no slowing down well, tell you what, I was uh, reading some cool, interesting statistics and listening to a couple of podcasts, reviewing some things for my profession to stay updated on stuff. And, and I came across this very interesting study about how sleep, um, getting under seven hours of sleep a night, drastically increases the chances of you getting dementia as you get older. And so, you know, about a month ago, I had this great idea. I'm like, you know, I'm going to get this device called a whoop strap. And Oh, it's whoop, what? Whoop, W-H-O-O-P. Maybe they'll become a sponsor in the future. Whoop <laughs> strap. And basically okay. what this is, it's like, you know, everybody, you know, you can use your uh, Apple phone for like, you know, track your fitness. Well, this yeah. is like that on steroids. It's not an, it's not a, um, not Apple phone, but Apple watch. It's not a watch. But anyways, long story short, it tracks your sleep. Um, how long you're in REM sleep, how long you're in deep sleep, how long you're in light sleep. Um, Amongst a bunch of other stuff, it tracks. But I got this going, wow, I'm going to track my sleep, you know, make sure I'm getting my seven hours and that. You guys, I've had this for almost 14 days. And ever since I've gotten it, my sleep has gotten worse. I have not got over seven hours of sleep since I've had this thing. I'm averaging five hours and 35 minutes of sleep. And in bedtime is only like six hours and 45 minutes. I can't sleep to save my life. And I'm reading all this research about it's going to increase dementia. If you don't get to sleep, so I'm freaking out. Long story short is it's not going the way I planned it to go, but the numbers don't lie. So now it's motivating me to just, just think outside the box and try to get some good sleep. So I bring this up is because a lot of you parents out there are losing sleep over what's going to happen in the future with your children. I'm losing sleep. That's part of my my reason why I'm losing sleep. Um, but you know, I said I'm gonna be 47 next month, and I'm really thinking about like 
how's my future going to look? How's my kid's future going to look? And I tell you what, you guys, if you guys are having a hard time sleeping, I don't blame you because your body's tired, but your mind's like, you just got this buzz going on. And ever since I got sick um, at the, you know, even when I started recovering, like in November, my sleep has been totally off. So um, this whoop strap thing has been like a painful reminder to me that I've got to evolve. I got to create new ideas. I got to figure out something because the last thing I want to do, all joking aside, is not to be able to remember my kids' names, not to be able to, you know, remember important information. I, I definitely want to be able to spend as much quality time with them as possible and my family and friends. So I'm dedicated to try to do everything I can for my physical body to make my sleep better and make everything else, you know, more healthy as I move in the future. And in part in doing that, I've been telling a lot of my clients about this boob strap. In fact, a couple of my clients got it before I did. And we're all finding the same thing is that there's something, this background buzzing noise in our life that's keeping us up at night. And the one common factor I had, they had all their situations is that there's worry about the future and what's to come. I mean, that's it. That's what it comes down to mine. I've been journaling lately and it's all things that are happening. I'm, I don't know about you, Heidi, but I'm more concerned about the future then trying to make sense of the past where I'm at right now. You know, what's interesting, I think, I think worrying about the future is super common, you know, obviously like from a, a very young age, I can remember like that notion of having a crystal ball, like that was the most alluring idea to me. I just wanted to know, um, you know, like what was going to happen so that I could be mentally prepared, you know. Did you call Miss Cleo? Did you ever <laughs> no. tell me true? Did you ever call Miss Cleo? No, I never called, but I did when <laughs> I used did. to go to Your when listener, I used to go. You're going to remember Miss Cleo, right? They got to remember Miss <laughs> Cleo. Of course. Cleo. Okay, I remember Miss Cleo those those late night, hey, call Miss Cleo, she's going to help you. Yeah, out yeah. No, true. but here's First a confession is that I used to go to New York all the time for like inspiration trips. I used to go like once every or twice a year, um, just like trend spotting. This is kind of like, actually like before Pinterest, because now you don't need to go anywhere. You just got to get on Pinterest for some inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, there was a, um, her name's Honeybee. And she was like a, you know, a psychic. And we used to go and, and see her every time we went, we went to New York. She, I knew her track her down. And, um, I, I just wanted like that peace and comfort. Let's, let me tell you this. If I knew what was to come, I would feel worse. I'm glad that no, there was no, <laughs> you know, it's probably better not to know, but I think that it is common, common, of course, at any age. Um, when I was young, I, I mean, I, you worry about yourself. And then when you become yeah. a parent, you're worried about your kid's future. And yeah, just add in like a like a side of pandemic and like political craziness. And I mean, right now, right now as we're talking, it's it's February 2021, and there's like some crazy cold snap going going across the whole um, nation. And you know, it's like pipes are breaking and trees are snapping, and we're like, okay, keep it, you know. What next? Bring it on. So there's always something that um, 
that causes that worry to just, and, and I like what you, I mean, what you said, I think really describes it, that, that buzz that's just going on all the time, that constant fear. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I thought my sleep was gonna like, okay, I need to work on my sleep a little bit. I had no idea that even when I think I'm asleep, like I'm averaging eight to nine disturbances a night. So I'm waking up eight to nine times a night. And I only remember like one bathroom trip. And so there's, it's just, I'm in this light sleep a long time. And because this is what I do for a living, like I need to know about this stuff. And oddly enough, a lot of doctors and a lot of people like in my profession, like we know how important it is, but we're not really trained to see how much of it it's a, it really is our baseline. Like imagine if you have a cell phone battery and every single night you go to bed, you plug it in and it gets pulled, the plug gets pulled out. You wake up, you got, you know, you got 25, 35% battery to last you the whole entire day but you have got a lot of work to do that day and you can't charge it back in. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's just, it's just really interesting on how, after you work out, how this device shows you how much recovery you need through sleep the next day. It's telling me tomorrow you need to get 10 hours and two minutes of sleep. I'm like, what? So like, it suggests I go to bed at 10 at night and wake up at like eight 30. I'm like, what are you talking? Like, how is that even possible? Like I can't even get six. Right. And so, but it always comes down to there's some sort of thing on the horizon. There's something, and and it can even be good things, you guys, because here at Light the Fight, we got some stuff in the future for you. And I mean, we've never been this bold, but Heidi and I, Heidi's finally getting past that point. Where, can I say, can I, can I break some confidentiality <laughs> with you right now? You guys, I got, I got a little secret for you. Heidi, this whole entire time, we joke around saying like, she wants to like, after we recorded the episode, she'll say things like, do we really need to post that? Like, I don't know. Like, let's just lose that episode. When it comes down to it, Heidi's had a really hard time about like, you know, just turning this into a, a real business that we can actually put more time and energy and effort into it for a lot of different reasons. But now after this year, after everything's been happening, we're seeing that people need conversations, our life experiences in a really refined way. And so we've got some things that we've been meeting about that we're going to turn like the fight into what we've always wanted it to be education. We want you to have to get the shortcuts, the cheat codes, so that you don't have to go through what Heidi's gone through. You don't have to, you don't have to go to graduate school to become a therapist. You don't need to go to therapy for 12 years. Now, if you have gone to therapy for 12 years, hey, more power to you. But we want to give you as many shortcuts as we can. And we know the best way for us to do that is we got to make a plan for the future. And partly that's a big part of my anxiety is that I want to like do my best at this and I'm taking it really serious. And so is Heidi. And so for me, I'm like, I don't want to screw this up. Like, don't drop the ball. Don't drop the ball. We have this opportunity. We have this listenership. We have these people. You guys are stuck with us during the quarantine where we're like, are we supposed to do a podcast this week? Like, we had no idea what was going on. And, and if you guys were listening to us, you know, consistently through the quarantine, you're like, this doesn't probably sound like the same people you heard pre-quarantine, but we're back. Well, here's back. the thing. Even better. Here's the thing. And this is what I have learned um, from the beginning, what I've been saying is obviously this podcast is not therapy, but when you go to therapy, when you meet with a counselor, it's actually education. You are learning, you are being coached one-on-one -on -one. you're taking, you're breaking things down and you're, you're learning that, that therapist is teaching you 
number one, maybe helping you break you down. Why are, why am I feeling this way? Why did I respond that way? You know, and then teaching you some tools to, to use. And, you know, we, we heard this really staggering statistic actually. And I only know the statistic about Utah, but we were talking to, um, it was when we were on the Hatch Foundation webinar and David Huntsman from the Huntsman Foundation was talking, Huntsman Center, and he was saying that like 24 of the counties in the state of Utah do not have a health professional in that mental county. That, yeah, a mental health, sorry, psychiatrist, thank you, psychiatrist. that you could go to, right? And so we, yeah. here's what we know is that wherever you're listening, the barriers to you going and, and actually meeting with a therapist and getting maybe help that you need for your relationships, for your own mental health, those, there might, there are real barriers for that. And the education aspect of this is possible. The therapizing maybe isn't as as possible. And that's not what the aim of this podcast is, which is why we have the disclaimer that I know you guys love. But what we can do is we can create opportunity for this education. And, um, and I think that that's where I, you know, that's what I get excited about. I get excited yeah. about being able to provide solid education and solutions for, for people about topics that we're losing sleep over that we're stressed out about that we, that we don't know where to turn. Um, and we want to be a solution for as many of you as possible. And, and that comes with a lot of changes that we'll be announcing soon. Um, a lot of the old things we didn't like the fight we're bringing back. Um, one of those things is you, you know, we're going to have to say goodbye to this horrible zoom audio. Because we're going, we're taking the show on the road again. We're we're gonna be we're gonna be uh we're gonna be back in studio before you know it and doing some new things and doing some old things again because one of our favorite things that we did in the past was the workshops and because of the COVID situation, you know, that's not even on the table to do live person workshops, but Heidi and I are dedicated to give you guys another resource to add to if you're going to therapy, if you're going to coaching, if you're you know, working on your fitness, health, nutrition, sleep, whatever it may be, we can guarantee that we're going to be a consistent resource in your future. And so today's episode, we want to focus on, you know, just, you know, helping, you know, your kids prepare for the future. And, you know, we've, um, you know, throughout the history of the podcast, we've been so gracious to get so many questions from you guys. And so you're going to see some changing in how we do the podcast. And, and today we're going to, um, we're going to answer a couple of those questions on today's podcast. And in future episodes, we're going to be really focusing on your guys's questions. And um, I think it's just time to, to just take this to the next level. So, you know, Heidi, let's talk about the future and, you know, a, a specific, you know, worrying concern that's causing people. I'm sure many people lost to sleep and then also address. Uh, we picked two questions from some listeners and these these two questions today. Um, you know, this is not a, a churchy podcast, but these two questions both come from people who have a very strong religious background. So it gives a little context to, you know, when, when you have like a, a background, let's say, you know, you and your, you know, you got a, you got a couple and they're both attorneys. Well, they're going to put a high 
emphasis on education and career. You know, I'm just assuming that, you know, you know, a career attorney is going to want their kids. Part of saying, move to Hawaii and open a yeah. shaved ice. They might. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what the kids might. Yeah. Or they might say the opposite. And so, you know, I, I find the same thing with people. And, and I found this in San Diego when I worked with other religions. But obviously here in Utah, the predominant religion is the Mormon LDS religion. And so I, I get it. I, I see the concerns and worries for the future. And because someone has a, spe- a specific vantage point of seeing uh, life and, and hopes and dreams that include their children have a strong faith in the religion, I totally understand why if your kids are going off in different paths or having different life experiences you don't understand, of course that's going to cause worry. It doesn't mean that they're bad kids because they're not wanting to be a part of the religion or, or act in that way. And it doesn't mean you're bad parents because you want them to. So we're going to talk about that today. And But before we do, let's just kind of set this one up for him, Heidi, to, you know, just talking <laughs> about the future and the worries. Well, so like we said, you, you know, you as an adult, as a parent, listen, those of you who are listening, it's likely that you lay in your own bed and worry about your retirement, you might worry about your your health. You might wonder how, you know, changes in policies and pl- politics are going to affect um, your life and going how are you forward. Make money, right? but but then you know you take your own anxiety of your own situation, and then you've got a kid that is starting to have to make some decisions. Right. And, you know, I'm not just talking about adult children, which I, which is, which is kind of, (laughs) you know, watching your kids who are adults starting to like make decisions on where to go to school on what kind of things to study, what maybe who to date, who to marry those kinds of things. You, You just kind of sit there and, this isn't like you don't gather up your popcorn and just eat it. Right. And just watch the show. No, you're like, don't go in there. You know, it's like watching a horror movie sometimes. Right. But (laughs) it's not even just that. Like, um, and I was talking to, to David about this. I have um, even like my 14 year old daughter who is going into high school next year and she's trying to decide, you know, what, team to try out for what focus to be and all of this pressure it's like okay well these friends are doing this but I don't really want to do this anymore and I don't I don't know if I want to I don't know if I like this coach I don't know if I want to do this anymore and you know here I am as the mom I'm thinking okay I've just invested I'm like x number of dollars into your x career so far right and now, oh, you're just going to throw that away. You're just going to go off and do something completely different. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and I'm trying to like, maybe number one, your kids, our kids do come to us and they want some feedback. Sometimes they, they kind of want advice, even though they don't want advice. Right. And so I guess that's what I know that every parent who is listening, every human who is listening can relate to this. Like, how can we not be overbearing? How can we understand that we want to have influence on them as a parent? 
we know that if we say too much, it's just going to fling them in the other direction. But we want to kind of help to lead them and to and to guide and to and to be a positive resource for them. And we want them to be successful and we want them to make us look good. And we don't want them to be sad or hurt. And so it's like, oh, so many things. So this is a tough topic. Um, but in February, you know, we're starting to round out the the end of the school year is within sight. That means there could be people graduating, moving into the next years. Like this is when people start to kind of have the weight and anxiety of like, what am I going to do um, in this next school year going forward? What am I going to do? Um, yeah. Spring's so, really like that put up or shut up type of time. You know what I mean? It's like, it is. Okay. Now, we, now we've got enough information on how the year went. To I mean, see we, what, yeah. Like arena scheduling, even just arena scheduling just makes me seriously like heart palpitations. What do you mean like, arena scheduling? What are you talking about? Oh, see, you don't even know because you have not mentioned I have no idea. Like, yeah, I have no clue. It's online scheduling for kids. It used to just be high school. Now it's down to middle high school kids. And you got to log in and try to boom, get your, it's, it's like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kind of like in college you know, with classes. And yeah. Stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. okay, here we go. What time? What time do we got to log in? And then your internet k- kicks you off and you just freak out. And I don't know. I've got like some PTSD from <laughs> scheduling. I think that it's better now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was a it it was a scary thing. <laughs> now that everybody that's yeah. listening, everybody is like super anxious now. That we're all like, oh no, what are we gonna do? David, help us. Well, um, you know, I, I think the best thing to do right now is to, um, you know, I I could talk. I, I'm going to say a couple of things, but then I think we should get into some of those questions because I think a lot of the answers can be given within the context of these questions. Um, so, for example, if I was thinking about something when you were talking. You remember when we were talking about um, uh, in our workshops about being a, a you know a parent influencer. Right. Like remember we yeah. talked about that in our workshops. And for those people who came to our workshops, we talked about, you know, you know, running your family, like it's that business that you used to love to go to work for. Like, even if you didn't make a lot of money, it was a good environment, good community. And if you made good money, that was great. But just one of those those places where you respect the management, respect the boss, it was just a good experience. And so we talk about being a parent that has influence over our kids. Well, as a parent, you're in competition with a lot of other influences, and those influences are strong. Those influences have a lot more of the the. Um, so, so, for example, if you're in competition of the influence of a social media app or your child's friend, they're getting a lot more runs at your child than you are. Like you have very select interactions with your child to influence them, and so uh, I heard this from oddly enough from a social media influencer. I'll, I'll leave out the gentleman's name just because. I'm not the biggest fan of this gentleman. I used to be kind of a fan, but it's changed a little bit. Not for the better, in my opinion. But he said something that was really interesting. Smart guy, though. Smart guy. He said, he goes, influencers only own one thing. They own your attention. That's it. And as an influencer over our children, we're fighting to have the opportunity to influence them. 
And then once we get the shot, it's like, all right, now serving, you know, parent number one or whatever it is, your turn to try to influence your kid. Then once you get that shot, you don't have a lot of time in that, in that space, in, in that moment. You got to make it count, right? And so, you know, as I answer these questions, I want you guys to be thinking about my response to these questions and how there is a story with each one of these questions. And each story, you know, has, you know, most people could assume certain things with that story. And a lot of times people will think automatically that that story has an obvious problem. In my experience, I find out that not all the time, but more times than not, the problem is not what we actually think it is. There's something underlying there that's really at the root and at the core of what's causing our anxiety and our fear for our child's future. But, you know, the problem is like what we're talking about. But I mean, it, it seems like it's just what we're talking about. But once you start to pull back the layers, we find out that there's a lot of other fears. There's a lot of other things that go into that, that really aren't, you know, the actual problem. And so we'll talk about a couple of these questions. We'll say what, you know, gosh, what, I'll ask Heidi, like, what do you think the problem is right here? And then she'll kind of say something. <laughs> and, and I will and get then, it wrong, you guys. Every time she'll I'm going to get it wrong. Actually, you know, <laughs> actually, you know, sometimes you get it right. And in fact, I suspect <laughs> you get more right now. But what, what you're going to see is you're going to see kind of like the process of me and Heidi going back and forth to help you better understand how to identify the actual problem. And then I'll give you a couple tips, give you a couple tools to, and then you can go out and try and uh, apply that. Now, these two questions, they may hit directly at home. You may be like, oh my gosh, that's my exact scenario. If it's not your exact scenario, think of it as a metaphor for your scenario. Because there's a lot of overlapping. There's a lot of connections between how successful your influence is over your child. Regardless what the subject is, successful influence has a lot of similarities. Okay. So Heidi, why don't you queue up uh, the first question? Let's let's talk about the um, the one with uh, the one that um, came from the DM. Okay. Um. So this person says, "I'm struggling right now with my child who is a senior. He started dating a girl this spring who's not of our same faith." All of a sudden, he went from wanting to serve a mission for our church to now wanting to join the Marines. Um, she goes on to say that this girl's father is a Marine. I know that he has his own agency, but I'm struggling with his decision to follow in somebody he barely knows footsteps. I'm not against the armed forces. My husband served in the armed forces. I feel he's making this choice because of this girl and he's being rebellious to anything we suggest. I have even told them I accept him not going on a mission, but I would like to see him be a little older before he joins the service. I suggested he go to a year of college before he joins. However, he'll be 18 at the very soon and I won't have much to say. I've had many sleepless nights Um, she's sad that she doesn't have influence on her son. And she says, help me know what to do. Hey, Heidi, got a question for you. 
Oh, great. You guys, if I get this wrong, don't be mad at me. Okay. This is a two-part question. <laughs> First is, what do you think this parent it feels is like the, the problem versus what is the actual problem? And maybe the, the problem that this parent might think might be more of the worry. So a lot of times the people, the, when they say, here's the problem, they're really telling me their worry. Mm-hmm. And the problem, as I said just a minute ago, it, it, it's kind of disguising or it's kind of masked as something else. But she said a couple interesting things in there. And so I'm just wondering, what, what do you think is, it, let's put it this way better. What do you think is her actual worry versus the actual problem in this question? For, well, this parent, tell- for the parent, pretend you're the parent. I'll tell you that to have somebody come into your life, into your child's life or into your life and only be there a short amount of time and yet disrupt like this huge investment that you've put, that you've put in as a parent, you're, you're like, wait a minute, look at all of this time that, that you've thought, believed, you, you know, this, and then this super, super short amount of time that you've thought or believed this and you're, and you're kind of like teeter tottering weighing this, like, okay, no, this is not equal. Yeah, yeah. Does not how did, how did this compute. How did this girl and her family go to the front of the line and we got pushed to the back? <laughs> right. You, you know, and I mean, I can, I can relate to this on a lot of, of levels, even just what's going on with my daughter, where she's saying, you know, maybe I don't want to dance anymore. Maybe I want to try something else. And I'm like, you've been dancing for years. You're just going to throw that away. Just you like know. this mom's like, you've been planning to go on a mission for years. We've saved the money. we got the suit. Yeah. Like everything's going on. So so what's what do you think her worry is? And what do you think the problem actually might be? Well, gosh, I don't want to. I don't. I don't. First of all, I don't want to get it wrong because I have anxiety about getting things wrong. But he, But the worry is that. When your kid doesn't do the same thing, the thing that you think they should do, there's fear. There's just fear. Um, is it? I could feel it. Um, there being a disappointment there, mm-hmm. a disappointment that here's what you've imagined. Here's what you've hoped. Here's what you've built expected expected yeah and um it it just feels i just know it's very hard to pretend i've talked about this on the podcast before when you are disappointed it is hard to pretend like you're not disappointed it's and, and, and she's, she's not even, I mean, this kid could be doing a, a, a great thing to go in the military. He, he may be a very responsible, fantastic kid. And, and yet this expectation is, is here. And, um, as a parent, it's, it goes back to that investment that that's really hard. And so, um, so in one sentence, what's her worry? 
in one sentence. I hate it when you say this because I have lots of words that I like to share. Yeah, I know. That's why I said um, one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> worried but he's going to make a mistake. Worried that what? He's going to make a mistake. And? And... Well, because, I mean, if he makes a mistake, isn't that how people learn? We have all these things. You learn more from your losses than you do from your wins. So is she worried that he's going to make a mistake or is she worried he's going to make a mistake and she has to witness it and has to be front row on his pain and she has to feel it with him? Yeah, she's she's. She's feeling the pain already and it hasn't even happened yet. So now let's see if you take a crack at, I I think, I think you nailed it. Now let's take a crack at what's the real presenting issue. Um, she doesn't get to choose. I I mean, really that you don't get to choose as a parent. And I mean, I don't know. This is me, David, being way too wrapped up in feeling this mom. I am like, I would feel the same way. Um, but I will tell you that I, there's going to have to be some work for this mom. Um, <laughs> to recognize that her re- relationship with her son going forward is more important than her expectation of his or his outcome. And okay, before you get to the answer, though, what, what's what's the real presenting problem? That was the question. the pr- The problem is that she's trying to figure out, like, how do I come in and actually influence? How do I how do I have a relationship on this? How how do I um, not drive a wedge, not piss him off. How do, how can he feel supported when, you know, she obviously is pulling on, on one side. Yeah. It seems pretty I, I know I'm not, I know, I know I'm not going to answer your question. No, 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 you're, 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 <laughs> you're in the ballpark. It seems pretty obvious to me that, um, her fear is that she's lost her influence over her son. That's, that's the main problem. I'm not saying that that's the answer to this, but it seems like there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry that her influence over him, she's not scared to, that she's going to lose it someday. The days come. The, the guard has been changed. She does not have the influence over her son that she would hope, expected, and wanted. And by the way, if any good parent would want that influence over their child. And a little reminder to our listeners, in human being relationships, influence is power. That's the real definition of power: is the ability to influence. So it's just hard to have like somebody, but like lost. you said, but right in front of you and take take over, um, having so what, more influence than you. Yeah, the problem in in her eyes is that because she's lost that influence, aka power, she now has to sit up in the high nosebleed part of the bleachers and he can't hear her. He can't see her. All of her life experiences, all the things she knows to be true 
whether it be from spirituality, faith, or just pure what she thinks would be a pathway to success for him. It's like it went from front row to now it's like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> it's in the distance. And part of that problem comes from just like that woman you'd visit in New York, man, we all want the crystal ball. We all want to see into the future. Nobody wants to make a bet on something that we believe has a, hot, has a low probability of returning success. Now, the, the missionary path has been done. I, I mean, I've counseled so many Mormon people throughout the years. We do not fear something that's known. It's a pretty, it's not a hundred percent, but there's tons of people out there in the Mormon faith and religion that they say a kid graduated from high school, goes on a mission, two years of knocking on doors, getting rejected, working hard. Like, man, that's like, that's not a lot of skills you're going to get just like hanging out in your friend's basement, playing Xbox, right? Like that's tough. That's hard work, right? So that's a path that many people have taken to lead them to success. So, of course, it makes sense in that mom's scope that that's the pathway to success. Anything that veers off that pathway starts triggering the woo, 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 because those are unknown. Even though she had a husband that did four years in the military, that path is an unknown to her, but it's especially fearful because it's not coming from her husband. It's not coming from them. It's not like they're pushing for him for the military. So these are all the problems that are presenting themselves, but it's not actually the real problem. And let me tell you what the real problem is. Now, this is from the book of David. So you can, as always, you can just say, you're full of crap. Let's get to the real problem. (laughs) You can always say, ah, this guy's full of crap, right? So mother that that sent in this, this question, you can say, "Ah, I don't, you know, you don't have to take my advice or listen to what I'm saying. The real problem is, when you go into the time machine, it's like going to visit it, a palm reader. You're asking questions to someone that's predicting the answers. When you get into the time machine, we talk about this on the podcast lots. So if you haven't heard about this before, I, I don't know if we have any, um, any uh, actual episodes that are labeled the time machine, but we talk about this a lot. When we don't know what the future holds, we get in the time machine and we go to the future and we visit the future, trying to sort out and make sense what this future is going to look like for our child, even though we've all watched movies, read books with time travel. And every time we get in the time machine, every time someone goes to the future, the past, two things always happen. A, the time machine breaks and they get stuck there (laughs) and it alters the present. So the mother that put in this question, the real problem is not that your son is going to go into the military, because let me give you some hard facts. A, she's younger than he is. If you want to be really smart about this, you set up a great college experience for him to get out of the house and go have some fun. And it might not be that cool coming back to high school dances. The probability of, I'm just being real, the probability of your son's relationship with someone else that's still going to be in high school and he's getting older, that's going to stay the same way, got some, got some really good uh, probability for you. Not very likely that he's going to be dating her after this. Extraordinarily unlikely. In fact, I would bet against that. So here's the problem. 
When you go to the time machine, you create scenarios that aren't in the present. And you get stuck in those what ifs and maybes and possibilities and perhaps and, you know, you know, what if this happens and that happens and this happens. So the real problem is you're getting greedy and you want reassurance that the future will be as secure as you imagined it. It's not even necessary. I guarantee you that this mom, I just got a feeling this mom has far more influence over her son that she realizes. He still wears their name on the back of his jersey, if he's a performer of any type, whatever he does in his life, he puts that family's name on his paper and everything he types up in his bank account has their name. That means he wants nothing more to make his family proud of him. By going to the future and fearing, if you imagine a future, your son taking a different path, then immediately you take away that he has the ability to make the family feel honorable, and be proud of them. So you use a little, before I get the solution, so that's really the problem, is the problem is the mom is spending time in the future and she does not belong there. Now, the dad may be spending time there too as well, but it is not your place. You do not live in the future. Be very careful to spend too much time there. Can I just say one thing to this? particular mom and all mom and dads listening that I 100% get the time machine travel. And that's something that I was modeled when, when I was young, like my parents would get in that time machine, they would take me in the time machine and spell out all the horrible things that were going to happen. If I didn't, you know, if I didn't do whatever. You got that, an F in this math class. That, that was, yeah. Being a bad mom somehow someday. <laughs> right. Right. And, um, and I do want to say the advice that David gave me to get out of the time machine was one of the most influential pieces of advice that I ever um, have have received from David. And so I I just, I think I just want to take a minute and just kind of like give some rub, rub the back of all the parents out there that are like, Oh, you know, it's so easy to um, just, just start knowing all the things, believing all the things that could happen if then this and um okay go go on I just wanted to give a comfort and okay well and and I'll just <laughs> I'll be direct again every good mom is jealous jealous of sharing time with people and your kids because the best times of our lives I mean a, a lot of parents would say the best time in their life is when you had your kids, you guys were going on trips, you guys were doing fun things together, and they weren't begging and pleading to bring a plus one, a plus two, a plus three, right? Those times where you just got to hang out with your kids, you had those good times. Like, so parents by nature, just, I mean, let's just look at, you know, I'm going to generalize all women right now for a second. Okay. This is, you know, go with me here. I'm obviously (laughs) being partly sarcastic, right? Um, Two's company, three's a crowd. Okay. You get a you get a, a girlfriend and you get a mom. Yeah, that that could set up some scenarios there 
where the girlfriend's like, hey, why is your mom always doing this? And the mom's like, hey, why is your girlfriend always trying to pull you away from the family? Next thing you know, there's a little tug of war, tug of war and little Timmy's in the middle saying, oh my gosh, if I make one happy, I make the other mad. If I make that person happy, I make them my mom mad. And there's just back and forth. He wants to please the girlfriend. He definitely wants to please the girlfriend's dad, right? New, fresh people in your life have huge impacts on us, but their impacts are spikes. It's fast and it's intense. But the people with the most long-lasting impact are the people who've been there a whole entire life, from best friends to siblings to parents. The difference is what type of long-lasting impact you're going to be. So speaking directly to this mom, do not be fearful of losing your influence of your son anymore because it compounds the problem. If you want to take your spirituality and your faith and you want to inject this in, well, then you make some testimony and you bear some testimony to your son, very strong, powerful statements of how you are so confident that your relationship is forged in love, blood, sweat, tears, whatever this this whole entire life of raising this young man has been in, that he is going to bring honor and happiness to you guys with whatever he chooses. And then you rewind this podcast and remember me saying the chances of him being with this girl after he graduates are very, very slim. You need, this is where friends can sway in different directions. If you try to stop your child from being influenced by one girlfriend, you're not giving him space to be influenced by other girls in the future. Because one girl can switch a kid away from another path. Like it could go military one day and it could be yoga teacher the next day, back to missionary, back to, pe- then, he's, then he's in the Peace Corps. You forget teenagers are semi-pro adults. They're semi-professional. They're not real professionals yet, right? He's playing with ideas and, and thoughts and feelings. Two weeks from now, that dad could catch him making out with his, with, uh, I hate to say this, mom. That dad that's in the military could catch your son making out with his daughter, get super pissed off at him, say something to him. And now your son's like, I ain't going to the military. I don't want to be like that guy. You have no idea. But as long as you hang back and you allow these things to play out, and you bear testimony of saying, I know that no matter what you choose to do, that you and I will be good and close to each other no matter what you do. That way it puts the decision on him. Because I tell you what, mom. Going to the military isn't a, well, I just woke up. I think I'll join the military. That's even a harder and longer commitment than going on a mission. Okay, let's, let's work in real, in reality right now. That's four years. One, two, three, four. Not one, two. And last time I checked, to be a Mormon missionary, they don't make you go through boot camp. Yeah, you go through this thing called the MTC. You got to learn scriptures. What do you think is harder? Reading scriptures all day or throwing up and puking, running miles and climbing hills and throwing yourself over barbed fences and all this stuff and being yelled at constantly. So I know you're fearful of your son going to the military and you will compound, you will compound that fear if you don't double down on the relationship and tell him you got his back, you love him, whatever he does. Now, secretly behind closed door, you cross your fingers and you pray to baby Jesus, full grown Jesus, <laughs> you know, you do whatever you need to do, but you do not veer away from seeing your son for who he is today in his accomplishments versus the fears that he's going to make choices that are going to lead down the path. She never said anywhere in there that he's a bad kid. She never said anywhere in there that they have a bad relationship. See, that's why I'm being very, like, I'm being very confident about this response because we get all types of questions. 
And this is not a this is not a kid where they're going, oh my gosh, we hope he doesn't go to prison. Right. Like this is not an equation, right? It's just a veer. And so you can do the step to about to take your relationship to the next level. And so here's the application tool that I was telling you. When you make bold statements, you're being assertively vulnerable. Assertive vulnerability by definition, it's a very unique version of vulnerability. Uh, everybody knows the vulnerability that Brene Brown talks about. Assertive vulnerability takes the word assertive, bold expression of self, and combines that with your most sincere, genuine thoughts and feelings. The real root of all this is that you're not being assertively vulnerable and telling him often enough simple statements like this, son, I don't care who you date. I don't care where you go. All that matters to me is that I'm right by your side and join the ride. Ooh, that's a bold statement to make because I hear mom say, but that's not true. I'm worried about all these other things. I'm like, okay, I've sat with moms with their kids in the hospital on death's door and sometimes that have passed away. You know what they're thinking of? Not any things you're worried about at this moment. All they know, all they want their kid to know is that they have their back every single day from sunrise to sunset, no questions asked. Now, when you make a bold statement like that, now your son has to walk away and has to go, wow, now I have to really weigh my decisions because it's mine. Do not push your kid in one direction or another by saying, I totally support whatever you do. You know, I'm going to love you no matter what, but I'm just really concerned that, you know, you've been planning on a mission. Like, did you know a military commitment for four years? It's like, yeah, no duh, mom. It's like, I can Google all that stuff. Like we got to be really careful with younger kids. We can go, did you know, or did you think about teenagers, older teenagers, especially they take offense to that. It's very offensive when their parents are trying to persuade them in a direction using all these facts that really don't matter to them at that moment. The only thing that matters is that you're going to support them if they make a bad decision or a good decision. Because at the end of the day, if they have you to come back to, to process that information, to talk about it, then they can learn from it. I'm just kind of shaking my head. you know, David, when when you talk about being with that mom that is sitting in the hospital room and and you think about all the things that you could say or do differently, you will never regret letting your child know that no matter what they decide, you will always be there cheering for them, believing in them, wanting what is absolute best for them. And, um, and, you know, this is, it is hard as a, as a parent, this is a hard ask, but this is what is asked. This is what is, this is, this is what happens, right? Our kids grow up and they, they go on to making their own decisions And the best thing that we can get out of it is a really beautiful relationship with them where they know that we're there for them. They come to us and they, and, and they value what we share with them because they know that we're going to back it up by supporting them no matter what they choose. And that's the clarification that has to be made. And, and it's a natural feeling to add what you said, to feel like when we're worried about something, we make this mistake where we feel like 
we must share all of our worries with our child that does not have the same worries. And there's an argument to say like, yeah, it's good to share your worries, but to what extent? Like, there's not really like, there's got to be some sort of time limit there. If you continually share your worries to your kids, you're modeling for them and mirroring for them that you believe that they're not capable of making the right decisions. If you make those bold statements, you say, listen, I know that you will be great in the military as a missionary, whatever you choose to do, because I've seen you accomplish very difficult things. Shoot your best shot. Go for it. When we're scared of making a bad decision, you don't think her son's scared of making a bad decision. He is. He don't think he wants to disappoint his family. He doesn't want to disappoint his girlfriend. He's trying to make everybody happy and good for him. And at the end of the day, the decision is his. And it's not going to be an easy decision. So if you make those bold statements, bearing those testimonies that I have your back, I'm right here with you, then guess what you do? You take your worry off your child and their worry. Now they have to deal with that. You're not compounding the worry by putting all this extra pressure on them especially for something like this, that's not even life-threatening. It's not life-threatening at all. This is just a simple choice. Who's to say you can't go you know, on a mission and the military, go on the military and then go on a mission. Like there's a lot of options. You know I mean? You, you could do both, right? My point is that based upon where he's at today, he doesn't have to make a decision to go to the military today. Doesn't have to make a decision to go on a mission today. And he's not engaged getting married to this girl today either. Take a deep breath. Make the bold statements, being being assertively vulnerable and step back and you will see that connection and that influence, your power over your child get stronger and greater and they will bring their worries to you. Then when they bring them to you, you sit with them, you reflect upon it and you respond by giving it back to them. What do you think you should do? What are your thoughts on the situation? The best way to influence someone, the best way to have power over someone is to first Give them space and allow them to have influence and power over you. You try to shortcut that process, you'll be worried more often than you're not. Tough pill to swallow, but important. And yeah. And we got got another. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. We got got another question I want to get to. And this one's. This one's a big one too, and I'm really looking forward to answer this one. <clears throat> and by the way, we, those people sent these two questions in. Thank you for your patience. We will email you or send you a little DM back. Say, hey, we answered your question on this episode finally, so you might want to listen. <laughs> we are a conservative LDS family and just found out that our daughter is bisexual. I'm having a very hard time coming to terms with this and how it affects our and her future any help would be appreciated okay well i'd love to speak on this and and this is a general enough question that i could kind of play with my response because it's not like so specific right so sometimes specific questions they give me more context more detail but sometimes when they're more general i could address the question to more people so i think it goes without saying that in today's world 2021 there's a lot more concern And there's a lot more knowledge and information going into how we interact, how we see people of the LGBTQ community, which I think is great, right? If you've been a long time listening to podcasts, this is something that I have a lot of experience with. Because in all my years of working with teenagers, I've only worked with teenagers 
that were, you know, heavily suicidal, addiction, like in really tough situations. And the LGBT community for teenagers, just Google, just Google the statistics. They have a high suicide rate, high depression rate, high anxiety rate, high self-harm rate, high addiction rate. Okay. High and it doesn't mean shame. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, and it all comes back to the high amount of shame. Shame leads is the, is, is the starting point for all those things, whether it, whether they're open about their sexuality, whether they're trying to figure out their sexuality and scared who to talk to, maybe they talk to the wrong person, get bad feedback. If they're bullied, all those things really lead to a lot of shame. Like what's wrong with me? I can't be honest with my loved ones, or at least not all of them. I, I can't be open. I can't just experiment with, with life and see what I like, what I dislike. It really changes all, well, a lot of their own personal decision-making, which can alter their personality, can alter how they respond to stressful situations, AK, which can lead to more anxiety, depression, all those things we just talked about. Okay. So this is one thing that, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. A long time ago, the LDS church um, was very against a proposition in California. Do you remember this, Heidi? Oh, yeah. Okay. And they made a lot of public statements about their you know, openly against, you know, um, gay marriage. And I'm not going to get into the, the, the details of that. I'm just stating that, right? So there's a lot of parents, and it, it could be this and parent included, that has a lot of apprehension and has a lot of worry and fear of like, if they show that they're okay with their child even having the thoughts of possibly being gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual, or if their child knows for a fact that they are and, and they've always and they've been seeing this these behaviors manifesting and they've just been some parents like to live and like, I don't really, my child's not like that. You're like, hey, they've been wanting to wear a dress since they're three, right? Like sometimes parents hide from what they see and other times it just totally shocks parents, right? So we get a mixed bag here. In all of these scenarios, there's been a, a history of making stands against supporting rules and regulations that would give freedom to people in the LGBT community to have same-sex marriage, okay? Now, that really changes how people view something, okay? Not to mention that in scripture and all these things, you know, it should be with a man and a woman. So there's all this stuff coming down the pipeline that people are learning throughout their whole entire life. That when their child shares thoughts, feelings, or, or, you know, hey, this is what I am, those meet all at once. No person, meaning no child that I've ever worked with, teenager, what have you, and no parent that comes from this world over here of, of an LDS background, no, none of them, when they meet that conversation, are prepared for that. It's, it's an experience that's new. Even when parents tell me, well, I have a, I have a brother or sister who's gay. So, you know, I'm totally cool with it, but I'm just not cool with my child. Like, well, you kind of see what you're saying here. It's like, it's not the same relationship, brother and sister versus Mm -hmm. your child. Right. Most people don't think like, oh, my brother or sister is, you know, gay, that that's going to make me look different or people don't talk differently about me. But some people are fearful of that when it comes with their child. So there's this history, there's this background, there's this religious belief that this is not sanctioned by God. And so because it's not sanctioned by God, there will be more shame, more judgment and criticism, not just for the parents and the family, but any good parent is going to want to protect their child from any sort of shame 
judgment or criticism. So if you're listening really closely to my response, which I hope you are, I'm not saying that every parent in this situation is going to assume the worst, but I am saying there's worry and there's concern. Some parents may be like, hey, you know, I feel more comfortable, but they're still concerned. Some parents may be like, no, no child of mine. They may go to the extreme. So in this general question, what I want you people listening to this to think about, whenever we've been told something, generally speaking, is not good, potentially dangerous to try to guide your children away from this, and they share that with you, that is going to bring some level of concern, and there's no way that it can't. Now. The real, I'm not going to give you like, what's the worry? What's the problem? I already talked about the worry, right? The worry is the judgment, the criticism. And what will this life be like for my child if if she really is, was it a she, right? If she really yeah. is bisexual, okay? Yeah. So again, we're going, all the unknowns get us into the time machine. The time machine takes us to a place that is uncharted territory. We've never been before. And in this question, it doesn't even... We don't even know if this child is experimenting with their sexuality because I don't care what anyone says out there. If someone is having thoughts of attraction, the same sex stuff like that, you don't just start saying, okay, you know, change their sex, do that. Like, this is like just, we don't know where this kid's at, right? It doesn't mean that they're not bisexual, doesn't mean that they're not gay. It means that they're starting conversations and your relationship with them is going to be the determining factor whether this is going to feel shameful and if they're going to feel like they have a space to speak freely about this. The more your child can talk about their thoughts and their feelings and you can handle what they're saying, the more they can sort out how they feel and who they are. I do not want to give false hope to parents out there because sometimes people say, oh, it's just a phase. I, I hate when people just put something in a category and just quickly dismiss it without further investigation. They can say, oh, this is just a phase, you know, sexual, you know, you know, experimentation, you know, they'll get out of this phase. Well, that's not necessarily true. Okay. And then the other side of it is like, oh my gosh, well, she's talking about this. Okay. We got to start saying uh, reassignment, gender reassignment surgery. We got to start doing this. Like, whoa, whoa, time out, time out, time out, time out. What about what they think and how they feel? How would you know what they think and feel? And how would they be able to figure out how they think and feel if they don't have the reps, the practice talking about it? They're rookies talking about it. You're a rookie at understanding it. You guys need each other to figure this out. Okay. I definitely suggest getting help with this. Now, when it comes to therapy and counseling, stuff like that, you know, it's it's not easy to find a good therapist for a teenager, period. But I would suggest try to find someone that's not really on one side of the fence or the other. I wouldn't suggest going to your ward or your church and finding a, a, a straight up religious therapist through the church for this situation. Now, I'm speaking general. There might be a couple of religious therapists in there that have lots of family members, personal experiences, but typically they're going to be coming from the same school of thought that you're coming from. I wouldn't necessarily go straight. Now, again, I'm giving general suggestions. I wouldn't necessarily go straight to someone who is of that culture specifically and has a very hard stance on that. I would suggest try to find someone who sees both sides of it that could be a really good mediator to help the conversation because 
your family situation, your daughter's situation is unique. As much as there might be commonalities, especially the younger they are, the more personal this is and the more communication that's necessary. Now, if down the road it is definite that your child is bisexual and or let's say gay, whatever, you know, one of those two come come to fruition, and that's something that it's it's established, you guys now have understanding, then you might want to go, okay, now let's work with a therapist who really understands that side of the coin to help my child with this transition into, hey, I'm I'm a gay person, I'm this, whatever. Because when I say whatever, I mean like whatever the child identifies with as this process goes on and they're no longer a child and they're turning a teenager and getting older. The reason why I suggest it that way is because in today's culture, this is just Book of David again, just from my perception. In today's culture, we have so many people taking hard stands on something, but you guys, we're talking about young people. Young people can know for a fact if their sexuality is different. And if, if they're on, you know, the, the LGBTQ side and your young person is not every young person. Same as the other side, your young person may be having, you know, same sex, same sex attraction, but doesn't decide to date people of the same sex. Maybe just attracted, to, you know, I see women all the time. Oh my gosh, girl, you look hot. Like, man, I wish I looked like her. So it's not like this is out of the realm. And also with guys too, I wish I had muscles like that. Finding someone of your same sex attractive at a young age, you got to sort that out. You got to figure that out. And so that's why I suggest getting help with this. But the best thing I always encourage all parents to, by the way, I'm that middle guy, right? Like for the people, I, that's the reason why I worked with so many people in this community because the parents like, I understand the Mormon speak and the Mormon language, but I also understand from my background, from my relationships and my friends, I'm like, I get it. Like I, I had a deep personal relationships with people, both sides of this community. So I like to be that bridge. And I feel that I've been very effective being that bridge. And the most important to the success of your child understanding who they are is if you're a partner with them in that. So just like the last question, going to the time machine and fearing the worst case scenario is natural. And as instinctual as that may be, it's a huge mistake. Because your child is the only one that can give you the information and you're the only one that can help them work through that information. Okay. So I always suggest to people that be careful, but you have to be a little brave too. You have to say things like, you know what? Thank you. Thanks for telling me this because those first statements, just like with suicide, when someone tells me that someone said that they're suicidal or someone says that, hey, they they say, hey, you know, I'm gay or lesbian or whatever, or bisexual. The first thing you better do is thank them for sharing that information because that's not something they're sharing with everybody. If you thank them, what you're doing is you're bearing testimony again that this is a special relationship. How cool is that, that they trust you with that information and they're taking a risk? So you say, thank you. You say, I can't imagine how hard this would be for you. But the fact that you just didn't wake up one day and just kind of willy-nilly throw this out there, you were probably thinking, you probably thought I was going to freak out. I've, I've coached parents to say stuff like this. You probably thought I was going to freak out and be totally honest. I'm not freaking out. I'm smiling because you are brave. You talked to me about this and I love you. Right then and there, you did 50% of the work. Because if you do not respond in something in that kind and you say like, 
what does this mean? Like, how did this happen? You jump quickly to go into investigative mode and trying to like, where were you the night of June 23rd? Was it that one friend? That's Stacy. I knew Stacy was a bad influence. I've heard the worst responses in the world, but the response that will not make it worse and solidify a partnership with your child is thank you. And then identifying, man, this must've been really, really hard. That is courageous. It's brave. No matter what comes of this conversation, I respect that. Because what would you choose? Again, if you're sitting by the bedside of your child that's at death's door, really having some serious, you know, maybe physical or whatever issues, you're sitting there at with your child. What are you most concerned with? Are you most concerned with knowing that they are loved by you and that you support them? Or are you most concerned with telling them? important things that they need to be worried about in their future by the decisions they're making right now. I would say every person I've ever talked to is like, you're doubling down on, thank you. I love you. I'm here for you. If they say, well, you're going to be disappointed in me. I, I thought if I told you that I was bisexual, that, that you'd be grounding me in this, that, Hey, listen, I ain't taking away your phone. I ain't grounding you. I ain't punish you because why would I punish you for doing the thing I've always told you? to be honest with me and tell me what you're thinking and feeling. Uh, I now, appreciate that. You know, and, and I think one thing that I would add, you know, you mentioned a sort of vulnerability on that yeah. with the first question. And I think that, you know, this person in, when they wrote in this question, obviously they, um, they're afraid you mentioned they're, they're new at this. They don't know much yeah. um, about this. This is a good opportunity also to just really listen. It's, you, you know, that might be listening to podcasts. This might be listening to people's stories. This might be learning more about other people's experiences too, um, to help get you, some uh, vocabulary, some type of, you know, in other words, do some work on your you end know, as well. Let me add another little um, application, a little tool to add to this. Any, any, any child of, of anyone's that's anyone's my, my language. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I, I cannot talk. So any child that, tells their parent this or that has a conversation with their parent about this um it's going to take some time they would have thought about how to address this they they were thinking about this for a very long time how they want to address it with their parent parents yes. out there you i want you to buy some time for yourself to think that you have to come up with all the right things to say i'm telling you what to say first but here's what i'd suggest you do tell your child to listen after you say those things i just suggested say i'll tell you what I'll be honest with you. I I would really like some time to like to think about this and kind of like and take this serious because this is a serious thing and I don't want to jump to conclusions. I don't want to freak out or whatever. And I'm assuming that you didn't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to tell my parents this and come at me with this. I'm assuming that it took you a lot of time to think how you want to say this. So if it's all right with you, I would like to take some time to know how to respond to this because this is. Like I said, this is a big deal to you. 
This is important life. This is real big life stuff. And we're all new at the situation. So I want to honor that and I want to respect that. So if it's all right with you, I'd like some time to you know, think about that, you know, you know, and maybe, you know, call, you know, some people, not that will agree with me, but call some people that could educate me on, you know, certain ways how to handle this and certain ways how to think. Kids that, that I've worked with that says they that have shared this with their parents, the biggest fear that they've had is that their parents were going to go to people that they didn't want their parents to talk to about this. And it's usually the people that are on the same parents' wavelength and same way of thinking. So I always tell parents, all right, I tell you what, you need to talk to people about this to help you process this. Let's make a deal. You get to process with people, but why don't you process with people who are not from your camp, who are people that can educate you instead of just validate your fears and your worries and your concerns. That's how you really stretch your knowledge base is you don't do what's comfortable you step outside of your comfort zone. And then if your kid sees that you're doing something uncomfortable for you, then they feel like they're not the only one with skin in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? That's what's so cool about the world that we live in right now. There's just a lot of podcasts out there. Oh, there's so know, much info. A lot of Go to places. YouTube. You can... I mean, there's a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, um, if you go to anyway. YouTube and you type in, Hey, you know, I, I told my parents, you know, it's like, um, confessing to your parents that you're coming out of the closet or however they want to phrase that, like on YouTube, I've had parents look at those videos and they started crying because sometimes a parent needs to see a kid talking about their fears and their worries because you're, they're only getting your message. They're not getting the background information about it. So I have parents look at you, you know, Heidi, I'm always big on, Hey, did you look at YouTube to see where your kids are coming from? They go, what do you mean? Look at other people who are struggling with that and see how they're sharing their struggle to give you more insight. Now, granted, you got to look at five or six different people. There may be some that you're like, oh, I don't agree with that, but there may be some that will, in fact, I almost bet there'll be some that touch your heart that really make you have that true um, like feeling and compassion and empathy for your child. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, all of us as parents just would love it if our kids would just fall right into line, just do everything that we tell them, just never ha have a, a problem, never have, you know, just be that perfect angel child, but um, it doesn't exist. Well, it doesn't. Uni and, and unicorn I, kid. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel the need. I feel the need to say one more thing because I don't want my message to be misconstrued as, because a lot of people have come to me and they're hoping I would tell them that they need to stop this type of talk. They need, I need to help convince their child that this is not the way that they're being misled by friends and being influenced because let's face it, it is possible that you can be influenced by your peers. If they're having, you know, questions about their sexuality and for you to question yours, I mean, that's very possible. I'm not saying that in every situation is totally different. So when people say that if, if you feel that you're, you're a certain way, that means you are, well, you know, I, 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 you know, people have feelings, feelings always change. So by no way or means am I saying you need to be okay as a parent with your kid feeling and thinking this way and wanting to, and wanting to explore this. And by no way am I saying that you need um, to, to stop this and try to control this. Here's what I am saying. At the end of the day, I have one solid philosophy. Always, always err on the side of the relationship.
There it is, guys. There it is. Never, ever, ever. Because I love it when parents tell me, well, the prophet said this, the gospel says this, and they give me this rah, 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 all good, all good information saying, well, it's, 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 you know, it's a sin. It's this and that. I've heard it all. And once they get done venting through all that stuff, I just plainly look at them and say, I guess you're going to, you're going to miss your child after you, uh, excommunicate them from your family then, right? Well, no. Well, I, I didn't say I was going to excommunicate them from my family. I'm like, okay, be really careful what you're saying here because you can believe everything at the soul, at your core of your soul that the religion and your belief systems is telling you. You can believe that and your kid can still be gay. And that is something when I'm dealing with suicidal people, I don't give a damn if a parent wants their kid to be straight. if. Their kid being gay and they're so ashamed of it that they have to hide this and it's causing them to feel shame and go to addictions and feel suicidal. Then I look at the parent and say, hey, you better watch yourself because I know you don't want this over here. So be really, really careful that you don't take such a strong stand that you sacrifice the relationship and you put them in a place where they're on an island by themselves yeah. and they're entertaining dark thoughts that they're hurting their family. Yeah. I've seen it happen too many times. So be really careful on the words that you choose, do some research, figure out, get some help and always err on the side of the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys, that was, that was kind of a lot. It was kind of a little bit of a heavy topic. It's something that we're all worrying about. Just like I, you know, David, I really appreciate you, you know, kind of addressing the fact that we're, we can lose some sleep over this stuff. It can really, it can affect not just our relationships. It can affect our, our, health and the way that we're um, going about our interactions when we're so worried. Um, and so there's a, there's a lot of food for thought here, you guys. And um, I hope that you'll listen to it with, you know, a real open mind and open heart, knowing that you as a parent, you do hold the highest influence card with the longest amount of term and the most writing on it. Um, and so just, just remember that as you, as you hold those cards and as you play them, um, you know, you're, it doesn't matter even how old your child is. They always want your approval no matter what. Yeah. And yeah, um, the, using the card analogy, if you have a, uh, you have cards in your hands, your ace, your number one card is your relationship with your child. Yes, yes, 100%. And that's what we want to do here at Like the Fight. We want to help educate and share solutions, suggestions, ideas for strengthening the power of that relationship in your life. Not just right now, not just today, but for the rest of your life. Correction. We're not wanting to do that. That's what we're doing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're, we don't hope. That sounded that sound too close to hope for me. I had to, I had to, I had to call <laughs> that one out. <laughs> you guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for wanting to strengthen the relationships in your family. Thank you for sharing your questions with us. We love and to And thank from you for you. those questions. Parents, I actually don't know you, but I love you. I feel for you. If you took some of the things I said to be hard, it's because these are hard topics. 
Yeah, it is hard. And you guys, if you have a question, concern, something that you'd love for us to talk about, please send in your thoughts, your questions, concerns to DM at light the fight on Instagram. You can also email us on our website, which is lightthefight.com. And, and con- David's phone number is David's phone number, number is. <laughs> Wait, no. What, what was those old? Because uh, you know, it'd be perfectly fitting. Eight five seven five three zero. No, no. What, what was the old? What was the old like? It was like, hey, are you alone at night? Nine six. <laughs> what was it? Is it one eight? Was it one nine hundred? It was one nine hundred, right? Wasn't it oh, the nine hundred numbers? Yeah, David, I don't know what the one nine hundred numbers come were. Come on. on, you were up in late at night crafting <laughs> and saw those. Yeah, hey, we all saw those sleazy, sleazy phone advertisements. You know, one nine hundred, I think, was. Anyways, oh gosh. on that story, you, on that note, we're out. You guys, thank you forever. Thank you for helping us to light the fight.